This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. I think if you look at it, it's always going to be a bit of a banana skin, these games. Um, I've I've got... If you look, we didn't have any of the new players out there today. We we knew that we were going to... That that Dean Old wants to play a 3-5-2. I really, really, really don't like Patterson involvement in central midfield. Um, uh, even though Pato Pato scored, environment helped set up uh, the first goal. Um, but we, if you look at the game, Exeter had one shot on target, which was a decent effort that, that Bentley saved. Yes. Apart from that, uh, but we had sixty-five percent possession and had three shots on target. So it was a. Uh, I didn't see any real change in the game. But when you think we were probably. Five, well, at least five or six short of our what most people would select in a three-five-two is our best eleven. I think we probably did as as well as could be expected. Yeah, uh, Dave, your thoughts? Yeah, it was it was on a vintage uh, performance. The game. Um, no Sammy Smotnick, uh, no Sammy in the lineup. No Sammy in the lineup. Wyman again in midfield. What do you think? Um, I th- I guess I'd heard a few rumours of what the side was against West Brom, but apart from the, the slight curveball that Masengo had played in midweek rather than Backinson, I, I, I was pretty confident that Vyman would start there alongside a you know a, a less experienced player who happened to be uh, Masengo in this case. So uh, yeah, it didn't surprise me the lineup. I, I don't think that will be his place most of the season. It might be a kind of horses for courses. Uh, position for him but I think he'd be, he'd be fighting for his position up, up, up front um, so yeah not, no surprises there I thought it, I'd say it wasn't a vintage performance by any stretch but it was kind of workman like you could kind of see what they were trying to put in, into place and uh, we kind of scored the goals at, at the right time extra out of probably 10 minute spell in each half where they huffed and puffed and caused us some problems and we've come away with it with a win yeah. a clean sheet and we're in the, the hat for the next round the next round and the round after that I believe so 
Well, that's uh, that's a good thing. Do you read anything to Smodix? Not being, I'm trying to get his pronunciation right this week. Somebody picked me up on that. Smodix, Smodix. not even in the not even in the squad. Looking like he's probably going to be on his way. Yes, um, looks looks like it's uh, a, a good chance of that. He, he was there with Liam Walsh today, so it wasn't like he's he's perhaps in Peterborough. He don't get ready to to sign, but you'd have thought if he was going to be hanging around for a, at least towards the end of the transfer window, he'd have been in the 18 today. The fact that he wasn't probably means he's close-ish to go, and I would think. Yeah. OK, Steve, your thoughts on the game. Exeter, uh, after Naki Wells had missed an early chance, Exeter put a little bit of pressure. I think the lad Williams on the right certainly gave to Silver the run around early on, although Jay composed himself. But uh, your uh, thoughts on the, uh, on, on, on the 90 minutes? Yeah, I think the two lads have covered it well, uh, Dave. Um, you take the positives, don't you? As Dave says, a clean sheet, it's a win, a bit rusty, we're a bit chewy, but it's nothing like, I think as Ian said, it's nothing like what we would expect um, our first-choice lineup to be, say, half a dozen games into the season. Some pros and cons, really, Dave. I was disappointed in the front two, really, which are possibly our first choice. Uh, the midfield's a bit of a, a make-up midfield, but the, I thought the youngsters um, did OK. Well, it's good to see uh, Semenyo get on the score sheet because it was a tidy uh, little finish from him, really, wasn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Dave. He has got some real raw potential and he looks looks to me as if he's sort of shot, almost shot. But I don't know if it's, it's the way he's carrying his hair, but uh, looks almost like he's um, grown a couple of inches and he does look a unit, I have to say. Yeah, he does look, uh, he, he looks quick and powerful. And what I liked, he got on the turn and he went towards goal. He didn't try and pass it backwards. I think we were, we had a lot of possession today, but a lot of it was what some people call recycling the ball um, backwards, sideways. Another point I'd make was that Hunt two assists, and if uh, Eliasson goes, and the word is he is, um, then you know we need assists in the side. And when you think you know he's under a bit of pressure with uh, Cessignon wanted. Uh, to come in, it would be for that position. Um, so two assists for Jack Hunt today, and I think he was second in the assist last season. Yeah, what do you think of that, uh, Dave? I mean, Jack Hunt, he has his critics. I mean, I think both both our four, both, both our wing backs are good at going forward, but Hunt, yeah, they were two really good crosses and well finished by Pato and Semenya respectively. Yeah, I thought he had a decent game today, Jack Hunt. And, you know, maybe he's one of those players that needs a bit of pressure on his place to, to get the best out of him. I, I think wing-back is a, a system that definitely suits him. Um, but I thought actually defensively did, did pretty well today. I thought, I know we, Randall Williams is uh, useful down that right-hand side, but I thought the, the Randall on the other side as well looked like he had a bit about him as well. And I, and I thought Jack Hunt dealt with him pretty well. Bit of a bit of a silly yeah. booking in the end. He was he was lucky. I think that been a league game. He, he might have gone off for that because he, he he did kick the lad. He did. He had a bit of afters, as uh, Stanley in the uh, box said. Uh, you know, he just stuck his foot out a la uh, Beckham style, nineteen ninety eight, wasn't it? Just a little little chew at the guy's ankle as he went by, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you if you had Keith Strike referee and he'd send him off for that. Well, yeah, he would because he's one of our players, so he doesn't like us. Um, <laughs> Dan Bentley in goal. Great save uh, from, well, Exeter's only real shot of the game. But uh, I heard a couple of people sort of reading, you know, flapping at a few. But uh, he he's, seems as though he's got his confidence back. He seemed to dominate his area. Would you agree with that, Dave? 
yeah, I think you know that that save was a was a was a good save. It was, it was a good height for him, but it you know it was a uh, you know a snapshot, and I thought he dealt with that well. But there were a couple of couple of flaps out there, which uh, there was certainly one second half where I'm thinking, why didn't you just catch that? There was no one around him, and he kind of pushed it away, and it went on to to silver for a for a corner. But uh, yeah, you know, once again, first game of the season, getting used to playing in the stadium again. Yeah. It'll be fine. I think I'm just pleased that you know today yeah. we're, we're we're looking like we've got Max O'Leary's number two, and I think it's it's time for him to to be that number two and bide his time and you know keep keep Bentley on his toes. Yeah, Steve um, Taylor Moore, I would say to me the most impressive of the the, the back three. Um, Vyman was captain. Lee Johnson made more uh, captain on one occasion. Uh, do you think? Well, this would have been a good game to try him out just once again as captain. And did you, do you agree with me that he was the best of that, that back three, central back three, uh, Steve? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you, um, Dave, as, uh, that he was the best of the, or certainly he had a decent game. And I don't know whether anyone heard his um, interview uh, that they broadcast on Radio Bristol before the game, but it wouldn't surprise any of us that what an absolute intelligent, mature consummate professional this lad is and there's no doubt about it it is in that respect he he is captain material i just wonder whether it it would be better just to let him concentrate on establishing himself um in the in in, as a place in the side first he actually referred to himself as not a senior professional yet no i think interview uh, which was interesting and fair play to the lad said that was his aim and he said all the right things but i just i i would just uh let him concentrate on his game at the moment give him that 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 task if you like ian masengo you commented last season about the fact that his uh, assist rate uh, no goals and, and and no assists and everybody's saying he's bolted up which you can see that um you know what how did you rate his his performance performance uh, um, I today. Was, I thought it was, it was okay, no more than that, Ian. Yeah, I thought he was, he was the best of the midfield players because um, Vyman and Patterson, I, I don't. I really don't like them in, in our defensive third. I think where you want those two players, um, in the thing I've sent you through, yeah. in Vyman I would play as a second striker or not starting, and Patterson I'd play as a 10 in a Three four one two, or what some people are call a three four three, um, or once again not playing um, because that that is where they're most effective, and, and that is where they're going to spend most of their time in our attacking third, which is where they'll they'll do the best that they can do. I think when they get into our defensive, they're they're in uncharted territory. I thought Masengo did well today. He was the most defensive out of all of them. He put in more tackles than either of them and tracked players and, and stopped players getting away. Put me in mind a, a wee bit of what Paul Skews used to do for us. So it's stuff that a lot of people won't notice. I still don't see any goals and assists in him. I've got to be completely honest. But I think he could do that. Uh, you could call it a holding role if, if, if you wanted to. I mean, my preferred midfield would be th- three flat in... Walsh, Morell, and uh, Williams. But Williams said today on commentary that he's not going to be uh, available for a month. Um, I'm hearing Baker is out for at least two, if not three. 
and Liam Walsh only got back on on the grass uh, about a week ago. Yeah. So well, I don't expect to see him start against. No, Coventry, those injured. So. Yeah, those injured players are. Uh, you know, they're, 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 it's a problem that they're out. But we're, we're going to talk about some possible comings in and what have you. But before we do that, just, um, just on, sorry, on, I was going to come to you, Dave. I was just going to come to you next, Dave. Go and make your point. And then, I was just going uh, to talk talk about Masengo. And I think at, at the back end of last season, I think we all agreed he he came back at um, Blackburn looked like he'd put on some bulk, but looked a bit kind of cumbersome with it, almost like he'd put on a bit too much and, and lost yeah. his agility. And I think yeah, today yeah. showed that the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's probably had his, his couple of weeks rest and he's come back and he's done a proper pre-season with that physique. And I thought he looked sharp today. I thought first 15 yeah. minutes he was a bit off of it and as he kind of found his feet. And then I thought after that, I thought he had a really strong game today. Um, I think, Ian, you just mentioned he kind of broke up lots of stuff. He was very aware of people breaking from midfield. And, and I think in the second half, there were there were two incidents all within about a minute of each other where he actually kind of barged a couple of people off the ball, won it back, gave it, and, and off he went again. And I, I thought it was quite a mature performance from him today in there. Um, I, you know, I, I think he's going to have to play well to, to get regular minutes with the the rest of the midfields we've got, especially when people like Williams come back into it as well. And, you know, we saw how well Joe Morrell played on mm. on um, Friday, Thursday, was it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night um, against against Finland as well. So there's lots of competition in there. I think that's a good thing. And I, I don't think he did himself any harm today. No. Um, the question I was going to say, uh, Dave, to you was, uh, talking about, again, midfield players, Casey Palmer made the squad, but it was interesting. I was reading, somebody put a thread on OTIP uh, this might have been today saying that Lee Johnson said, give me Casey Palmer for a pre-season and I'll make him uh, a really good player. And we went out and blew three and a half million, a lot of money. Uh, I don't think he's the sort of player that's going to feature in Dean Holden's plans. Do you, but with uh, you know, what other players there are to select from? Yeah. How, I think how, it's, how, how do you view that? It's thing? all got to be about competition Casey. for play, places. And for, and for me with, if, if Patterson's, in that, let's say, he's the more creative of the of the three that played in the midf- midfield today. Then I think you know it's up it's up to Palmer to try and oust Jamie Patterson. I don't see that happening at the moment. No. Okay. Let's look at uh, match ratings today, and we we'll go for Gregor's and see whether we agree or disagree. I won't take match ratings for everybody, but just a yay or nay. Right. So Gregor, he's given Dan Bentley a seven. I probably agree with that. Anybody disagree? Dave, Ian, Steve. Bentley, no. seven? No. What do you say? Uh, I'd probably give him a six. Thought he did what he had to do today. And six is my middle of the middle of the road score. Yeah, yeah. Steve and Ian, similar. Six, seven, seven's a bit generous. Yeah, no mm. arguments. So either six or seven, really. Yeah. Yeah, we'll pick... Yeah, we'll pick the back three as a group. And he's gone Viner six, more seven... Row six. I mean, I don't think Viner and Row are worth higher than a six, but Moore's not worth an eight. So he's probably got that about right. Do we agree? Do we agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Thought, thought Taylor Moore was good with the ball today. Probably eight yeah. with the ball, but probably six in the air. So seven overall. Yeah. Ian, any thoughts on that? Just concurring with that? Six, seven, six. If he's there. He's still there. Yeah. We might have lost Ian. We might have lost Ian. <laughs> Oh, we have. Yeah, he's disappeared off there. Anyway, look, he's given Hunt seven and De Silva eight. 
Yeah, and Hunt did his two assists. So, you know, that seems a bit, you almost mark uh, Hunt up, really, I would have thought, and, you know, just the other way around, yeah? I, I replied to Gregor and thought, thought his De Silva rating was uh, a bit generous. Um, I thought he was decent, but once again, he got in some fantastic positions in that kind of inside forward left position, but we didn't create enough off of it. I think he just needs that ability to sometimes be able to go past someone um, in, in the final third. Um, so he's probably a, a, a seven just about. Hunt, I, I thought, had a decent game, a seven for me. Yeah, and uh, Steve, I mean, looking at the, uh, I'll call it the midfield three, Pato, Weimann and Masengo, seven, seven, eight. That seemed fair. Who did you give the eight to, Dave? To Masengo. Uh, yeah, to, to be fair, the, the, unsurprisingly, the one conventional midfield player probably uh, looked looked in the right place, if you see what I mean. Yeah, Naki Wells, he gave a six to, which I think I wouldn't give him more. Would you give him less? But to uh, the final, final one, he said, bad day at the office. Uh, Dijou a five. Dave, do you think that's a bit harsh or didn't he really show show that much? No, he looked like he was two weeks behind the rest of the guys mm. from a pre-season. Um, it, it, there was a couple of good flick-ons first half. Second half is link-up play improved, but there was a, a bit where he just he just looked a little bit off the pace, you know, understandably so. Mm. Do you think he's, I mean, he was going to be, we were talking two weeks ago about him signing a new contract and then he was going to be shot didn't happen. Uh, do you think there's still a possibility, uh, Dave, that uh, Dijou might go between now and the beginning of October? Because we must remember that the window's open until the beginning of October. I think there's still a chance, yeah. Um, you know, until he signs on the dotted line, you know, lots of things can happen. You know, you need someone to move on a player, have, I don't know, several million spare and and an, all, and then an offer comes in and you know if he hasn't signed the contract I think we take it yeah um, okay so let's look at players that we did sign this week Chris Martin now I know a Derby County fan friend who says he's a good player looking at their forum he did a good job uh, for them uh, Steve that's sort of the sort of experienced uh, proven championship player that um, we could have uh, done with what are your thoughts on the Martin coming into uh, the, the squad. Um, I thought it was a solid signing, Dave. To be honest, it, uh, initially you sort of think, "Oh, it's a bit underwhelming," but when you actually think about it and you look at his, you know, sort of chew back over his experience and the type of player he is, um, he might be almost just what we want. I mean, it'd be great if he had a load of pace as well, but then he wouldn't be coming to us on a on a free or out of contract. Um, I think he might just uh, be a useful partner for both Flyman uh, and Nick. Naki Wells, possibly more so than for Mara. Yeah, and an upgraded version of what uh, I guess uh, Aaron Wilbraham was when uh, when he came into uh, uh, the side seven six years ago. Now, yeah, would you agree with that, yeah. Dave? Yeah, I think Chris it's, Martin. Uh, on the face of it, is a pr- yeah, I think it's an astute signing on the face of it. Um, he's a clever player. He's one of those centre-forwards who's got a big arse and he'll back into defenders and you can play off of him, which is probably not what you get from from Fam. to be perfectly honest. Fam's good in the air and he's kind of good at that kind of physical occupation of the of the centre-backs, whereas Martin's the kind of guy that you, you play little give-and-goes off of. And I, I think, I think as, as Steve said, I think people like Wales will really appreciate his kind of link-up play. You know, when the ball goes into him, kind of chest down, it sticks. 
and that enables your whole kind of team to get up as well. And I think that was a little bit in our problems first half today. We were a little bit, um, the midfield were a little bit too far off the striker, so balls went into fam, and there wasn't any really one to, to lay off to. I think Martin gives you a different dimension there. Yeah, he's a platform. Yeah, who do you think his best strike partnership platform, would be, though, if you, I mean... Yeah, so what, Martin and Wells is probably a good combination. I mean, it was interesting. I think Ian pointed this out when we were chatting offline yesterday that, uh, or it might have been you, Dave, this morning, that uh, when they interviewed Martin, he talked very uh, positively about um, um, Pato. And then they said, of course, you also play with Andy Weinman. And he said, oh, yes, I did a few times. It didn't seem to be that, you know, do you, a, a Weinman-Martin combo up front doesn't sound quite so good as a Wells uh being, being the sad uh, that I am combo, and, a, really? and, and, a, and, a, and a numbers man, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I went back and looked at all of Weiman and Martin's goals for Derby in the period that they were together. I didn't check whether they played mm-hmm. the same games. They didn't assist each other for a goal at all in their time at Derby. So that might, t- right. that might t- okay. t- <laughs> tell you something. But, you know, the, you know you take that, with, I guess, you know, for the pitch of is because I don't know how many games they actually played together, but I just purely looked at each goal, each person scored and looked to assist it and neither appeared on anyone's else's yeah. goal. That montage, so. yeah. I got halfway through something that was on YouTube, some Derby fan had put together the 76 goals that uh, uh, Martin scored for them. I, I gave up halfway through. I think I had something better to do, but <laughs> you know, he can, he can certainly uh, find the back of the net. Okay, so seven days to go until the start of the, the real season, yet the transfer activity um, still seems to be very much on the bubble. And I've written down here three names that could quite easily be coming to Ashton Gate in the next seven days, uh, which is Cessignon. I'm not going to say which brother because I don't know which is which. Alfie Mawson and Brunt. Now, Brunt is the sort of player that Lee Johnson would never sign, although saying that, he did sign experienced pro Ashley Williams. But I'll come to you first, Steve. Cessignon, Mawson and Brunt, all three three good signings and then you couldn't fault the board for not going out and splashing the cash in the transfer window. Well, yeah, I don't, don't know whether you, you think, Steve, you first. But, uh, uh, Sky Sports reporting this afternoon that Mawson's very close to signing, just out of interest, uh, on a 12-month loan. Um, well, certainly, mm. again, championship experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out and spend a lot of money on him, but um, he'll do it. He's certainly what, he would fill a hole for us at the moment and with championship experience, 12-month low, nothing to, to lose. Sassignan, promising, better on the ball than his brother, possibly not so, quite so quick. So you have to say a, a decent competition for Jack Hunt. Uh, Chris Brunt, uh, again, interesting. He will played quite a lot of his latter career at, at left wing-back when I saw West Brom. So he would also sort of potentially cover Jade De Silva at times there in a left wing back role. So three, what I would call solid signings, Dave, if we made all three. Um, I guess do you think we got all three or two out of three or what, what, what do you, what do you think? Well, look, looks like probably Mawson's definitely coming. Um, I would suggest Sessignon possibly more likely than Brunt, but I can see all three coming, Dave, to be honest. Yeah, Dave, the other Dave, was I Dave? Dave, Dave Fevs. Um, you know, if we went out and bought those three in, you'd have to say they would be nailed on starters, wouldn't they, for a club like City, 
every week. Well, certainly Mawson and uh, Brunt would be, wouldn't they? Yeah. Your thoughts on them? Mawson, first of all, I think, assuming his his knees aren't shot because he has had a a couple of knee operations in the last couple of seasons that have curtailed his minutes at at Fulham. Um, If he's fit and able, he's absolute upgrade on on what we've got. Um, You know, two years ago, he was signing for 20 million um, and getting in the England squad. So, you know, he's got some got some ability there i think that you know the big question marks will be over over his over his knees um so yeah i think if he comes in he'd play left left-sided center back and, and then you'd have Callas yeah. in the middle and then either viner and more on the right hand side and i think we'd look pretty solid there he's, he's he's very good on the ball as well and once again you might have seen some some clips last night from uh jbcfc who pulls together some great kind of a Clips of a, yeah, ping the ball so. across a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, times, can't believe yeah, he called him some uh, Mordini. I think he yeah. called him on one of them where he was. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, you know, Webster esque. I think. Yeah. Him as yeah. Well, yeah. So, lot, lot to like in Mawson if he if he's fit, and I think you know a loan signing is 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 perfect. Cessignon, um, he's a bit of a bomber at right wing back. Um, probably leaves a little bit to to be desired at, as defensively. Um, but if we're going to play that kind of system, you probably want people who are going to get up and back a lot. I think he's to me he reminds me a bit of a younger version of uh, Nathan Byrne at, at Wigan. Um, he used to play for Swindon, that that type of player. But he, mm. once again, good with the ball, so that's a, a, a bonus there. Um, I wouldn't uh, discount at the moment uh, Pedro Pereira. I think it'll be one of him or Sessegnon comes in. I know there's obviously been some okay. there. Interesting. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. On that. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. You know, it's probably 70-30 towards Sessegnon at the moment. Brunt's probably the one I can't quite get my head around because I I don't know where he plays when he if he comes to us. We've got loads Brunt, of midfielders. And Brunt's, you know, actually, Brunt's actually close, I hear. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see where he fits in. You know, maybe, maybe he sees him playing left centre back. I, I I don't know. He's he's played there for twelve minutes for Northern Ireland in the last five years. So it, I'm not quite sure uh, where where he fits in. I think experience wise and his ability wise, he's certainly you know got a lovely left foot on him. But I'm just not sure of the position he's he fits into. I, I in, think in he, he fits in either on the left side of the three narrow in midfield or is uh, a, a holding player who can just ping it out to advance wing-backs. That's, that's where I see him fitting in. Yeah, he probably is. I guess we haven't seen anyone play like Chris Brunt does in our midfield three under Dean Holden in the six games. I think. So I'm just, I'm just kind of reserving. Just, you know, I'd really like to hear what Dean we Holden says when he signs him, if he does so. We haven't really got anybody in there with a, in, the, in the midfield with a left foot, unless you count Tommy Rowe. Um, yeah, he's a better... He's a, I, I, He's a better man, Tommy Rowe, isn't he? In, in terms of yeah, quality. oh god, yeah. I mean, he's a, he, the kid's got a bit of a Tinian esque left foot, and and he he can take set pieces, and he can absolutely welly the ball. So yeah. I was going to say he can hit a free kick. Our efforts, he can hit a free make, kick. yeah. Know, he's a bit like a bit like Gareth Barry. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at our efforts from outside the box, and Dave will have all the numbers on this, I'm sure <laughs> we're we're not the kings of the thirty yarder, are we? We're not. No, not since Jimmy Mann. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> oh, against Peter Shilton, uh, 79-80. It was. 35 yards. That was, wasn't it? Yeah. Scored at the uh, south stand end, or east end as it was. That's right. Back there. I remember that one very well. One of those goals that uh, privileged to watch it. Okay, so look. A foot off the floor. 
Yeah, he beat him all ends up. So now we've had three players playing on international duty. Callas, I think, played but is coming home because of COVID. So I don't know. No, that game's game's, going going ahead. Scotland and Czech Republic's going ahead. So he's still out there. He's still with them. Nash played 90 minutes for Hungary and did okay by all accounts. But O'Dowda, Callum O'Dowda, man. Man of the match, I read somewhere for uh, Republic of Ireland. Anybody see him play in that game? Yeah, at I all? Watched, I did. I clipped him. I closely watched the international game, specifically Dave. Interesting. Um, and rather than watch the game, I watched Callum O'Dayla. Uh, I tape Wales. Watched Joe Morrell, and I also watched Thomas Carras uh, playing for the Czech Republic last night. Just and I watched them. I didn't watch the. I watched what they did when they had the ball, didn't have the ball, etc. Callum O'Dayla. And a decent, I'm a Callum O'Day probably supporter more than most, but I wouldn't have had him man of the match. And I, what, uh, what position did he play, Steve? He played right side on a, of a front three. Um, okay. He was, he was intelligent um, in terms of his off the ball, uh, filling holes um, and working his, his shape. Looked a reasonable threat on the ball. Looked a little bit lightweight at times and got brushed off the ball, but he did create a couple of things in the first half. Second half, he he, he did fade. Um, put it this way, I was more impressed with Joe Morrell's performance for Wales than I was Caramo Dowder's for uh, the Republic, to be honest. Okay, yeah, he got he got man of the match as well, didn't he, Morrell? Well, that's yeah, that's another one of the internationals. He was man of the match. He stayed on the pitch longer than Gareth Bale did, I think. Uh, looking at. Uh, Looking at that, so uh, no, he's done. He's done well. So okay, I thought Dean Holden came across very well in his uh, preview of the Exeter game. He looked very uh, self-assured. He's not the most ebullient character, but he seems as though he's growing into the job. If he does make these signings this coming week, and let's say I'll ignore Chris Brunt, but let's say Mawson comes. I don't know whether more Mawson's had a pre-season with Fulham and he's fit, but Morton and Sessignon come. He's got Martin, yeah. He's also got, as we say, Nash, Callas and O'Dowd are back from international duty. Thankfully, the decision is easy, made easy by the fact that Baker Walsh and Williams are, uh, are out injured. What do we think the starting lineup will be ne- ne- next Saturday against Coventry? I'll come to you first, say Fevs, right? So let's assume, I'm not going to say signing all three, but let's say we get Cessignon and Mawson, Martin... And the players coming back. Somebody's crashing plates. We've had stop, stop crashing plates. Somebody in the background there. Dave, um, your starting lineup uh, for the Cov game next week because we won't be doing a pod before then. But your starting lineup. Um, I'll, I'll, if we got those two players in, I'll start with the the, the obviously goalkeeper and, and, and back five. So I I think obviously Bentley would be in goal. I think Hunt will stay in at right wing back. De Silva left left wing back, and then I think he'll go. More Callas and Mawson if he's done a done a full preseason. Okay. Um, I, th- yeah. I think Callas will yeah. come back in. Right. I think as a so in the middle. Defender. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. You said Callas. I'm in the middle. In the middle. Mid- the middle, middle three, three is going to who's who's going to really in. depend on how Joe Morrell comes back from two games for Wells because if he's if he's fit, I I think he whilst Williams is out, he'd be that number one. In the role that Masengo played today, I agree. So I, I would be, I'd be tempted to go Morel, and then I'd go Patterson, and then I'd go Naj. 
but I think it, it does depend on mm-hmm. on how they and come up front? from uh from, from, and then I'd go what well, they're Feynman, like, how they come um, back yeah Feynman and, and, and Wells up up top. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Steve, your uh, your thoughts? Agree with that? Rather than go through it again, just challenge any uh, of the uh, selections there. Yeah. No, very very simple. Hundred percent in agreement, Febs. Uh, the only thing I was going to point out, Dave, from the internationals, a couple of things. Karras uh, played on the left side of uh, left sided centre half for the Czechs, which slightly surprised me. And actually, mm. because of the way they played, the centre halves were splitting with a midfielder dropping, and he spent vast majority of the game almost as a as a left back he played very well um, so that's interesting to see him out, out on the left and looking comfortable the other one uh, that I've not seen anyone comment on was Joe Morrell's um, organisation and maturity he constantly said, I was watching him wherever the ball was, I was watching him. The number of times, well, literally every 20 seconds, he was talking to somebody, pointing, pointing out a gap. You take him, I'll take him, I'll drop there, you do you do this. He looked he looked like he'd been playing for Wales all his life. And He uh, looked the, really the, good, didn't he, Steve? The, the, the talking aspect of it, the organisation aspect of it, was startling. I have to say, he stood out a, a mile. So that, that would be my thinking, and I agree with you, Dave, he would probably be my first midfielder at the moment on the team sheet. Mm-hmm. And up front, Steve, sort of uh, Wells and uh, and I, Chris, I, I, Wells and DJ or Wells and Martin. What would you? I, I, I don't think Martin will be possibly sharp enough to start. I presume I assume he'd probably be on the bench, uh, and I would go. Uh, I have to say, I would go Andy Vyman with Wells at the moment, especially after Lamar's rust, rusty performance today. Yeah, Ian, your your thoughts next week if we had well, Cess. Signor and Mawson coming in. I've ignored I've ignored Brunt, but um, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? The lineup. Still there, Ian. Oh sorry, Dave, I didn't write you were talking. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm directing the question to Ian. He's doing the dishes. Yeah, keep the question short, Ian said to me. Ian, what do you think the lineup would be on Saturday, assuming we did sign two of Cessignon, Mawson and Brunt. And I'm saying Cessignon and Mawson. Now, what, 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 right. what would you Right. My team would be right. Bentley in goal, uh, Calas, Mawson, Moore at the back, Hunt, Morel, Nash and De Silva four, Patterson in behind, Jiju, Vyman up front. On the bench, O'Leary, Rowe, Viner, Wells, Eliasson, Martin, Palmer, um, Masengo and Bakinson. Mm. Yeah, so your only difference is you'd you play Vyman and Gigi rather than, than Wells. So, but I thought we... I thought Naki Wells looked off today. He missed two really good chances, and when I say he missed them, uh, he kicked one over the bar and he ended one completely wide when it was easier to score, in my opinion. So, for a player of his quality, um, so yeah, he had some chances I, today. In, in in fairness, and I guess my yeah. only positive from that is he we've he's got into the positions and we found him in those positions, and hopefully. You know, one one goes in and he's off and running. Then that's probably my my positive. No, I, I don't I don't think he's a he's a bad player, but I think you if you if you're going to play Patterson and Moyman in the team and, and Holden seems to want to, I think that's the positions you have to play them in to get the best value because they terrify me when they're in and around our box. Um, it's a bit like when Fams defending in, uh, in our box on the ground in the air. He's brilliant. Mm. 
But on the ground, every time he goes to the ball, I get the eebie-jeebies that he's going to give away a penalty. <laughs> Typical strikers tackler, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he did it at Stoke where he's, you know, he's put his hands up to, what did I do? Well, what you did, you nearly kicked the bloke's leg off, fan. That's what you did. <laughs> um, and I'm worried with fan at the, to go on to another point, is that he hasn't signed that new contract yet. And until he does, I'm a bit nervous because, you, you know, the most typical thing would be City let it rumble on. And then three days before the deadline, they accept they have to accept a bid for him because he hasn't signed it. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope you'd hope they'd put a deadline on it, wouldn't you? And say if you haven't if you haven't signed it by, you know, Monday, yeah, or whatever, then we're going to start touting you around. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure his agent. I'm sure his agent's yeah. already touting. I'm sure he is. Why, yeah, why, why he hasn't signed it? So I think yeah. it, it really is make your mind up time because there's a lot of people down there that are out of contract. I mean, Taylor Moore's been offered a new one. Um, I don't yeah. know if he's... I don't think he signed it yet. No, he sounds so, like he will, though, from the conversation that Steve referred yeah, to Yeah, everything. As well. I, I heard the interview that, that Steve alluded to, and, and I've always thought he's a very smart chap, and okay, yeah. he, he, you know, he needed to put on a little bit of weight and strength and nastiness, but I think if he was playing... What I liked about him today was the way he was bringing the ball out of defence. Now, Callas isn't great in that. Mawson... No, he did. Good he looked good. That. So, you know, I, I think they may be a good combination. And, you know, and obviously you, we can't rely too much on Bakes. And he's in the last year of his contract. Yeah, and he's out, as we say, for a minimum two months. So, guys, I mean, about five or six weeks ago, we were, I think somebody described us sounding like we were members of a self-help group. But here we go. If you look at the players that are coming back from injury, the players that we signed, Williams and uh, Martin, the players that we might sign, and let's roll the clock forward. We'll talk about the Coventry game in a second briefly. But do we feel more positive? And if we look at the total squad and everything, I'll come to Steve first. Steve, do you feel optimistic, which is a bit of a turnaround from where I certainly was, and I think we all were, four weeks ago? There's a bit of a feel-good factor coming back, or am I just being a bit silly? You know, Steve, do you feel more positive than five weeks ago? I think we look... I think we look more solid, uh, Dave. I think uh, we look, uh, to put it simply, we look like a, a steady mid-table championship squad. I can't, I can't, I can't honestly say that it's a squad that you think they're going to be in the mix. Uh, you know, they're a real sort of looking at top two. Uh, but then I look at sort of uh, Martin Williams, good side, and I can't see us getting into relegation trouble with that squad either. I it, so. I, that, with Dean Holden's first season and giving that free platform to try and say, go on then, give it a go. Uh, yeah, I am really. I, I, and I think Holden's honesty and straightforwardness will benefit us as the season goes on. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Ian? Are you, I mean, we're two grumpy old men. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the amount of offline money not, that we not, do. But... Not so much of the old. <laughs> we're a year younger than me. Uh, yeah. Um, do you feel a bit more positive, Ian? You know, there's some. You know, if we did go out and get two of those three or all three, we got a reasonable squad. And I'll come on to Dave in a second. But Ian, you're are you, are you feeling a little bit more optimistic than five weeks ago? Yes. And on, I think I think it depends a lot on injuries. You know, you've only got to get three or four bad injuries to key players, and all of a sudden, you you know, you've got problems. So, um, 
if we don't, if we do well with injuries, um, I think he's going to need to get his head around what's his strongest midfield. I wouldn't be putting players like Bakinson and Semenyo out on loan just yet. No. Um, in fact, I probably wouldn't. I'd say now I wouldn't put them out on loan uh, because I, I think our squad's down to about 27, 28 players from about 40 last season. So um, I'd, I'd, I'd want four or five strikers there. I'd want half a dozen in midfield and I'd want half a dozen who can play that centre-back role if we're playing a three. And it seems like it, at least, you know, we look at and we could all predict what the formation's going to be um, on a Saturday. So, and that's something that we couldn't do under Lee, God bless him. So, um, yeah, no, I, look, with the t- what I've said before, and I said it last time, with the, the money that we spent, we should be in and around the top six. We should be because of what we spent. Don't forget, our squad value is going to be up near what it was last season because you know yep. we're bringing in it's albeit it's costing us 1.25 million pounds for the year in wages we're bringing in a 20 million pound center back yeah no, that's now, Callas right. cost us what eight nine yeah then you throw taylor moore one in a bit your two fullbacks cost four between them so you know come on guys we we you know mm. we, we spent a few bob we ought to be up there yeah, Dave. What are your What are your thoughts? You're probably the most uh, positive person out of our uh, out of our little group. Um, and you know, so I, I guess you're going to say you feel positive. And Ian said, you know, there's not. Are we going to challenge up there? But other than Swansea, I don't see there's not been that much movement. Nobody's gone out and made marquee signing. So, Dave, two questions for you. You're feeling more positive than you. You're positive anyway. You're feeling more positive. And you know, do you think? Top six is achievable. Um, yeah, I am. I am. I was positive before. I'm, I'm probably at the same level of positive. I'm, I'm really relieved to have got the first game out of the way, and 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 it and it be a win, yeah. um, and that that kind of helps. I think. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I think you, you sit there and you worry when there's no signings coming in, and then then Williams comes in, who to me is an upgrade on what we've got. So I'm you know I'm ticking the box there. If Mawson yeah. comes in, is another upgrade. Chris Martin is he's probably not an upgrade yeah. from a oh yeah, he's gonna go in there and, and play every week. But I think when he does play, we'll see the benefits of that type of striker. So all of a sudden we've brought you know, if Mawson signs, you know, we've brought three players in that look look like they improve the eleven that's out on the pitch when they play. And I think that can only be a good thing. I I'm expecting us to be able to put in a challenge. How far that challenge goes for the playoffs, I, I don't know at, at this stage, but I, I, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't do with that squad. In terms of some of the other clubs, um, I think Norwich have come down, have, have bought anywhere between seven and 11 players that could, could fit into their first team. I think what we're now seeing as the season gets really close is the players starting to go out from that club. So I think... Is it, is it Jamal Lewis, the, the left back, is, yeah. just looks like he's off to Newcastle. And, you know, a week before the season, how does that affect their preparation? So those are the starts of dynamic or sorts of dynamics that come into this season in the Championship for those types of sides. They look great on paper, and then all of a sudden they lose three or four of their best players just before the season starts. And then they're on a wing and a prayer that the players they've recruited, and they do recruit well, are, are good enough to come in and hit the ground running. So I, I think... It, 
you know, we're not going to know a lot about this division until possibly is it the second international break in November? The window will have closed then. Yeah. We'll have had six, seven, eight league games and we'll start to get a feel for what the sides are. But I, I, it's a competitive division. Yeah, I, I think we've just got to look after ourselves at the moment and, and try and do the right things. I think Holden, he's gone out there and he looks like he's trying to recruit to a system. Doesn't look like he's going to recruit loads. It looks like it might be four or five at most. Last year... Or last season, we recruited 17 players over the course of the season, which is, you know, too, too many. Not all of those were first teams. So you have people like Cundy, you have people yeah. like Gil Martin, you know, but it's still a lot of clubs in the back. Yeah, a lot of turnover. And I don't think, you know, if I hear Dean Holden talk about clubs in the bag, I'll be really disappointed in him. Yeah. Um, I, think he's, <laughs> I think he's recruiting to a, a system, but a flexibility in the system. I, I was chatting to someone on or OTIB earlier on, they're saying, oh, it's all right playing three five two every week, but you've got to have a plan B and a plan C. And I'm I'm perhaps one of those people who thinks that your plan B doesn't have to be massively different no. in shape and system to what your plan A is. And it could be just a simple, we're going to play Vyman and Welt, I keep saying Fells, Vyman and Wells up front each game. We're going to try and pass it into them. And our plan B is actually, we're still going to keep the same system, but we're going to put... Um, Gigi and Martin out there we're going to go a bit more direct and we're going to try and get up, up and support them still playing 3-5-2 and we've still got the players to do it and the players know what their roles are and that's what I'd prefer to see and I think that's probably what we're going to get from Dean Hall Yeah no that's a, that's a good point, point well made there and I think you're absolutely right what with the window not shutting until uh, early October yeah I think you know it, it's it's early days, but I think we all feel a little bit more positive than uh, we, we did, uh, say, four or five weeks ago. Now, the title of this podcast was I'm Too Sexy for My Shirt. The much-awaited uh, first-team shirt came out. It's got the Mansion Bet logo on the front with the M looking very much like the M logo on my uh, Daily Mail app on my phone, But by the by. So, much-heralded new shirt. Steve, your thoughts on... Uh, the new uh, the new shirt, you know, it's red. It's got bits of white on it, but you know, there's some nice little touches on there, isn't it? What are your thoughts on the shirt, Steve? Not one who normally gets too hung up on the kits, but I got to say, I really like it, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I'm past the age of probably buying one, but the the touches that you refer to and the thought that's gone into it, whether you you can debate the pros and cons, of, but I like the fact that there's some thought gone into it. It's individual. Uh, I like the the chevrons and just gives us a bit of uh, pizzazz. Um, I think the badge looks decent on it. In fact, I agree with you, Dave, that the or something you hinted at that probably the only thing I'm not massively keen on is the sort of size of the sponsors logo. But that's that's not the the major thing. I re I really like the 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 touches with regards to the eight and uh, the stitching of their names in the base of the shirt and all sorts of things. Yeah, a nice a nice shirt for somebody who likes buying shirts. Yeah, no, they put together. Gents, a can I, um, yeah. gents, can I just come in? Nathan Baker is out until Christmas. That's just come out from the club, that? has it? Yeah. Is it hamstring, yeah. hamstring is it Ian? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. official. He's out out until Christmas. Mm. Mm. Um, Okay, well, that's, uh, I mean, you know, he, he probably, even if he wasn't out with this injury, he'd probably be playing in half half of half the games anyway. But uh, we've got Ian, I mean, the, 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 shirt, the, the shirt, the much-awaited 
uh, shirt. I bought the yeah. presentation box online yesterday because it's got. We've now got an official artist at Bristol City. Eighty-two quid for a print of that and the shirt. I won't be wearing it, but it'll look nice in a box. Ian, the Ashton Gate Eight. You'd have thought they maybe would have bought this tribute to them out in two years' time, which would be the fortieth uh, uh, anniversary of the uh, Ashton Gate Eight. But you know what? You know, is that a gimmick by the club? And I, I know you felt quite strongly. Um, about, you know, because the Ashton Gate 8, who ripped up their contracts, and we'll talk in detail a bit more about that, but your thoughts on the shirt and giving a tribute to the Ashton Gate 8 in it, with I, their names I agree. and their 8 on the back. I agree with you. I, th- I think the the, lo- the logo, the Mansion Bet logo, is, is a bit big. Um, I like the idea of the players' names on the shirt and paying tribute to the Ashton Gate 8. Prov- now, some people have said, not me, but some people have said, ah, well, that's just a cynical marketing ploy to get people to buy them. Um, but, I mean, clubs want you to buy their shirts. That's the whole reason that, that you know, they don't just have a plain red shirt with nothing on it. Um, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll, we'll put that to one side. But my view is if they did something financially, the club, for the Ashton 8, in terms of, well, this is what you would have earned, even then, I mean, what they would have earned then and, and what it's worth now is, is, is buttons. I mean, what if they would have earned then would have bought them a house. You know, what they'd earn now wouldn't, would, probably wouldn't buy them a car. Um, yeah. But I, I think that, that's something. I think what the club could look at, as well as the shirts, is perhaps play a testimonial game against, um, I want to make something up, Real Madrid, <clears throat> when we can get fans back in the ground um, in tribute to those players and do that maybe uh, summer of summer of 22 yeah which yeah is funny summer of 22 40th anniversary high value because you know i think they played southampton in the friendly uh when it happened back in 82 or ipswich yes. combined was it combined ipswich southampton team i don't know yeah i don't know if i'm right in that but if they did it on the 40th anniversary yeah and these guys they ripped up their contracts and the point you haven't made yet and maybe you're going on to that they forgo they dropped their wages their claim they were contractually entitled to that yeah. unlike certain of our players in this summer that just took a deferral big difference isn't there yeah there is i mean basically if you if you take a cut and I, I, my proposal was that any player earning more than three thousand pounds a week so that's 156 thousand a year uh should take a 20 percent cut um, and they could have all afforded it um but they took a deferral, uh, which is great from a cash flow cash flow point of view. But at the end of the day, the club will still have to pay uh, those players that amount of money. Now, so Bailey Rice has gone, and in so many months' time, we're going to be paying him thirteen weeks. Oh, I, I don't know about particular players. Deferral was, aren't we? Yeah, because that's what he's entitled to. Well, yeah, but I hmm. I don't know well, about anybody. Anybody deferral? I yeah. don't I don't know about. To particular players but my point is that if you look at Bristol Bears the Bristol Bears took a cut now Steve Lansdowne was at <clears throat> great pains to point out last week that the you know what the Bears earn and what the Bears cost is about a quarter to a fifth of what Bristol City costs um, and you know I think our players could have done that um, and for example, I'll give you, if you want to look at a football club, Arsenal, their players took a cut, yeah. and, and I think that would have been uh, a far, far that would have been a greater 
um, statement of solidarity than taking a deferral. That's just my view. You know, other people might yeah. say, well, they're entitled to the money. They can have it. Well, okay, yeah. that's fine. But I think there's an angle on this as well, Ian. Yeah. Just sorry hey, to, your, to, your to, view. To, no, no, come in, come in and no, talk just, about just, that. And, and, sure. and, I th- and I think, you know, just talking about deferral for, for the moment, I th- I, we don't know the whole story here, but there were whisperings at the time, certainly from some of the, the higher profile players in the Premier League, that they were quite happy to take a cut. And, you know, I guess on their ways they could afford to. But actually, there was quite a lot of wrangling from the PFA around it and almost kind of driving that, actually, we want you all to take deferrals. And so that's just another angle on this, you know. And I know, I know you're not having a go at the players here or anything like that. I just think it is a bit easy to, to, for some people out there to think, oh, you know, but they're still going to get their 20%. And, and some of that might have been down to contractual things that the PFA were involved in it as well. And, and as I say, it would have, been, would have been great if they'd have come out and said, yeah, actually, we'll take a pay cut and, you know, we'll forgo our money. I think that would look fantastic. Um, it didn't. It took a deferral and, you know, we are where we are. In, ter- in terms of the shirt, and your thoughts on the shirt, your thought, yeah, thoughts on the shirt, Dave. I, I, I'm a bit like Steve. I'm not a, a great uh, buyer, or wearer of shirts. I think the last one I I bought was probably the the Mick Harford Park Furnishers one in about 1981. <laughs> so uh, yeah, quite quite a while ago. But I, I, when you were I, about I, ten, I quite, I quite when you like were about it. ten, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it looks looks nice. Um, yeah. I think it looks nice on the pitch, which is which is good. But there's only so much you can do with red and white, isn't there? So yeah. I prefer shirt. it to the away kit. It's a shirt. I know we're going to go on to yeah. the Ashton the the eight, Dave. But I don't know whether anyone else picked up. But somebody tweeted um, this afternoon uh, on the in the concourse above mm. the it's the community sort of offices there. There's quite a big mural now with all their. That's what they're giving in the limited edition box set. This new lad who's right. on Twitter, who's the artist, he's done really, really good pictures of the players. Yeah, they're just nice. headshots. It's really, really good. And I think any city fan, you know, you'd want to get, you'd want to get, uh, you want to get those. But look, Ashton Gate Eight, they've had the tribute. Maybe 2022 would have been a better year, but we've talked about how they could address that by having a uh, a friendly against a prestige club. Um, big thread on uh, OTIB, which I read, and there was, you know, we're all men of a certain age. We were there when it happened. And I got a feeling there was a little bit of criticism coming in for the players about them being greedy and stuff like mm. that. And I... I never saw it like that. I mean, we all went, if they hadn't done what they'd done, we'd have gone under, right? And yes, they might feel a bit bitter and they're probably entitled to be as well. But uh, guys, I'll start with you, uh, Steve. Um, I don't know whether you've read read that thread, but the Ashton Gate, they they deserve to be lauded. They already are with a a plaque at Ashton, Ashton Gate. But, you know, some of the, I'll call it the youngsters on there, a little bit critical without knowing the facts and what have you. Your thoughts on uh, on on the Ashton Gate Eight, Steve? Uh, yeah, like you, uh, Dave. I was I always sort of lauded them really for their part in it. I think they're not the only ones. I think uh, it's a good point. Somebody else, I think, started a thread on the on the forum about it. But possibly the two two real heroes out of it were um, 
Ken Darren Collar and Ken Stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which ironically, Dave, of course, would mean that Mick Carford's shirt with Park Furnishes on is is very apt, really, because of course Darren Collier owned Park Furnishes, didn't he? That's right. Um, but they certainly played their part, Dave. I, I, they weren't left as paupers exactly, and they had a chance to. To, to, to go on and further their careers, albeit that they all virtually sort of um, went straight over the hill and down the pan. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I do laud them. Uh, they, they could have stuck out. The only thing is, I'm not sure, thinking back legally then, uh, where they would have ended up if the club had gone under, of course. But the bottom line is, Dave, and you've nailed it, if they hadn't, we would have gone under. Yeah, Fabs has pointed out a little text on screen here some of the criticism was from the older group as well uh Fevs, i mean your own view you told me you were 11 at the time it was probably a little bit sort of like oh my god rather than getting amongst the detail and what have you but uh, you know they deserve to be lauded they shouldn't be criticized in any way should they your thoughts no i don't i don't think so i i, I was quite surprised at some of the the comments that come out and and you know i I think you know you alluded to it was kind of an older, younger person split, and I, and I actually some of the some of the people on there were actually some of the old ones who were really, really critical, and I was I was mm-hmm. I was I was a bit taken back by that because mm-hmm. I thought most people's view was would like like Steve's were, um, and you know contracts are contracts, and you know they're there to be adhered to, they, you know they ended up getting a a proportion of the money they they should have they should have got from from their time, whether they were overpaid mm. at the time for where we were you know that's football I don't see that being their problem we all take what we can get to, to some some extent don't we no well the problem and Ian I think Ian's going to raise that the problem happened because in the summer of 77 Gary Collier went for nothing mm. and they went out and gave Clive Whitehead and I got the actual they gave Clive Whitehead an 11 year contract and I think I read in a little article today that Gow and a couple of others got seven-year contracts. Is that what you were going to say? And that's when yeah, the yeah, it is. It, it, people mis people misunderstood freedom of contract. Yeah, um, and and they thought, well, you know, we've just lost possibly for me the best centre half we've yeah. ever had, in Gary Collier. Um, we did get money for him, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. He got uh, set three, by a tribunal, no, didn't it? Three three hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, but I mean, God knows. I mean, what Gary Collier? I mean, if Adam Webster's worth twenty million, I mean, he'd have been worth forty. He was that much better. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you know, it's it's very easy to look back. I mean, hindsight's fabulous, isn't it? But um, my my view is, if you don't want to pay someone the amount of money in the contract, don't give them the contract in the first place. Because as soon as so you give somebody, particularly a footballer, because if you give a footballer a contract, I mean, was it Dennis Wise that broke the bloke's jaw in training and they tried to sack him and they couldn't? Yeah. You know, and that went, yeah. went to court and the, and the judge said, oh, the contract's water tight. You can't, you know, if he, if he kills somebody, you can't sack him. No. And, and I think that, you know, in any other walk of life, I know if I, in the companies I've worked for, God, if you if you breathed or looked at somebody the wrong way, you could get fired. Never yeah. mind break their jaw. Interesting so, you made that point. Interesting you made that point about contracts because um, Richard Keogh, our former player, did he? What what was his situation with the? Because uh, they seemed as though they bombed him out quite unceremoniously, even though they let Lawrence and one other person play. So did they cancel Keogh's contract or? What happened there? Or was it? We're still waiting. Still waiting to find out. I know he launched an appeal, didn't he, against wrongful dismissal? Mm. And and I think you know, with 
I don't want to get into dangerous ground about Derby's owner here, but there's FFP benefits to sacking someone mm. than having to mutually terminate their contract as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't know. I guess it'd be interesting to see what comes out in their accounts when they, when they finally get issued, whatever well, that will be. Very interesting um, with their but, stuff, yeah. <laughs> but they, they also run a, a very different um, amortisation of contracts Mm. Um, set up different to every other club in the in the EFL where they don't depreciate each year. So someone like Tom Lawrence, who was signed for five million, is still sat at probably five million in their books. So if you get rid of him, you suddenly got an amortization cost of five million on your books. Yeah. Um, so you know different ways of getting you know how contracts play out and how you want to account for them might have had a very big bearing on what happened with yeah. Kia. Yeah. The other th- the other thing on the eighth, Dave. Um, before you go away from it, is I think you, well, all four of us would remember them, but certainly three of us, uh, to some of the comments about they can hardly have been half decent because they were part of a side that got relegated, blah, blah, blah. Some of those players were some of our finest servants and also some of our finest players I've seen in, in 50 years. Um, not all of them, but... Oh, um, God, yeah. Well, look, let me, let me, let me, yeah. I mean, you, you make a very good point there. And I, I'd say, I'll, I'll come on to that because I, I was doing a bit of research John Ashton Gate 8, and Merrick Garland Man, Taint and Sweeney, Aitken Marshall, and Rogers. And you said they're all servants of the club. Jeff Merrick, first team debut, 68, Garland, 67, yeah. Jimmy Mann, 74, Trevor Taint and 67, Jerry Sweeney, 1970, Dave Rogers, 1969, Aitken and Marshall are the only cuckoos in the nest, really, yes. from that point of view. But you're yeah. absolutely right. And when I was doing that research, it, I came around and discussed this with Ian earlier today. Ian, be quiet on this one. Um, Dave and Steve, 40 years ago this weekend, what's the significance of that day? This do we, match? Do we, play, do we play at Newport? Was it the Newport no, no, 40 game? today. No, we're talking 1980. So 1980. Oh, 1980. 18. September 80. Was that when Alan Dix got sacked? It's right. 40 years ago this weekend. Right, it was City's one, two, three, four, fifth game of the season, and they'd gone draw, 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 lose. They played Swansea yeah. City at home, right, and they lost one nil in front of nine thousand seven hundred. Right now, I look back, and you know, we all say, "What did we do wrong?" And we've often said, "We do." You remember Gary Johnson saying, "This group of players have got us where we are." So I went through the Arsenal team, the City team that played Arsenal, August seventy six. Cashy Sweeney, Drysdale, Gary Collier, Merrick, Tainton, Richie, Man, Sheezy, Whitehead. Right, that was August '76. September 1980, seven of those players turned started that game against Swansea. Cashley, Sweeney, Whitehead, Gow, Merrick, Tainton, and Richie. The other players: Alan Hay, not a great defender; Kevin Mabbott. Tony Doyle didn't have much of a career, and Chris Garland was uh, was 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 on that day. But you know, it's bigger picture stuff. But City, they stuck with those players maybe a bit too long, didn't they? Ian, I'll come to you on that one first. You know that that you know four years in the top flight, and seven of the team that played in that opening game that probably played over forty games each the promotion season, seven of them lined up in the fifth game of. Um, their season back. I mean, it was a bit of a problem there, wasn't it? Yeah, being too. Yeah, I, I think one of the problems was if you look at the players that we brought brought in when we were in 
what's now the Premier League or Division One, if you prefer. We brought in some quality, you know, Joan Royal, Norman Hunter, Peter, Peter Cormack. Yeah. You know, those those players, uh, OK, they were a lot closer to the end of their career than they, than they were the uh, beginning. And we paid them a lot of money. I mean, Norman Hunter, I asked him a question. He told me that he, he was on more money at Bristol City than he yeah. was at Leeds. Um, so I think, but somebody, it was a slightly different subject, but we were talking about Steve Lansdowne the other day. And I said, one of the biggest things with Steve is that Steve can afford to make mistakes because he's a very, very wealthy man, very successful man. And he can afford to make those mistakes. The people we had before were nothing like his wealthy. And if they made a mistake, it put the club over the edge. And, and, and that is precisely what happened. I mean, as soon as we got relegated, and you talk about games, I mean, I was the game when we went down to the fourth division, I think it was that game, and I think it was Chester at home or something. I looked at it the other day. I was in the ground with 2,650 people. Yeah. And I, can, and I can't remember Chester bringing many. A lot, so, of, a lot of fans let us down and didn't they, really, in those difficult years? There's a, a fair few thousand of us, I'd like to, to, to use the expression, that stuck by the club, and I got involved in all sorts of money-raising stuff. And, but there were a lot of... Um, Fans that were happy to go down there in the first division days against Liverpool, but were nowhere to be seen as soon as the the tide yeah. started to turn. Yeah, I'm yeah, just looking, was, in, I'm just looking seen... in the book there. The last game, the last home game in uh, May 1982, Chester. They won 1-0. Ricky Chandler scored 4,475. Right, that was yeah. a good. And if you say two years previously, they played Norwich. In the last game of uh, you know their last game of that season, and just check in on here, and that was I don't know how many people they had there for that, but uh, well 16, 16 and a half, sixteen and a half thousand, yeah. So they'd lost seventy five percent of their fans over that period. So we are a bit fickle. Interesting, Ian, you made the point that uh, we signed Hunter Cormac and Royal. Yeah, quality mm-hmm. players. I just flicked through the very quickly flicked through the squad. Um, but I think that's the only quality players that we signed during that period because there were others that come in through the door. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether your uh, research goes back that far, Dave Febs, but Hunter Cormac and Royal. Um, I was really disappointed when Hunter went. I think he should have been offered a coaching job at Ashton Gate. Peter Cormac was 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 a flair player. Joe Royal four goals on his debut and then I think we had to wait until Boxing Day the following year but Dave can can you think of any other players that we signed that were quality other than those three not really no I think we you know we signed people like Tony Fitzpatrick and Pertie Yancey yeah. those Yant- kind of names Gert, that always Gert get Meyer, Gert Meyer Gert Meyer yeah Gert Meyer as yeah. <laughs> <laughs> us Bristolians say but yeah no I, I don't remember there being any stellar signings you know I got fond memories of, of Norman Hunter you know Rest in peace, Norm, because um, he ran a sports shop up at Gilda Parade close yeah. to me. And uh, I used to go in there and buy my boots and my, and my Sabutio yes, and, 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 and everything. So, yeah, no, I, I love Norman Hunter. I think my mum quite liked him as well. So uh, if the dad's listening to this podcast, uh, I might just, uh, you know, let that slip. But, um, but no, no, he, he was great. Yeah. I think Cormac was a, a good pro, wasn't he? Did, did he come from Liverpool? I know he's certainly been at Liverpool. He did. He did. Yeah, and, and and Joe Royal, you know, talking about centre forwards with big arses earlier on in Chris Martin. I don't think anyone's 
got a bigger arse than Joe Royal for backing into defenders. So, uh, no, yeah, yeah my, my, my first game was City against Liverpool in 1978 when Joe Royal scored what that lovely miss hit volley. Open yeah, it. so that was my first, first City game. I don't remember that now because I saw that on video a short while ago, but... Uh... But there we go. Okay, guys, look, it's been a good session as usual. We've done uh, we've done the Exeter game. We've talked about the shirt. We've talked a bit about the Ashton Gate 8. As I say, 40th anniversary of Alan Dick's departure. He's 88, I think, because he joined him in 67 as a 35-year-old. It said, I remember, well, I read it today, that he's, he swept into the Ashton Gate car park with the, in his Rover car, and he was there almost 13 years uh, later. And... Uh, I think we're privileged to have been uh, around to see those matches. Unbelievable that it's 40 years ago um, and and we haven't been back since. But, uh, guys, quick one. Uh, next weekend against Coventry uh, City, uh, do, we, do we think it will be a win or do you think it will just be a draw? Anybody, anybody got any... Yeah, uh, predictions. I'll go to each of you, Dave. To be honest. Three points, Coventry. Mm. Yeah, okay, Ian. Pos- so you're pos- positive vibes. Three. I, th- I, th- I think you know. Positive. I think Ian's going to go on and say it, but I'm going to beat him to it now. I think a lot will depend on what happens in these next few days of international fixtures, and let's pray we don't get any any injuries to any of those players. Yeah. Let's go go to yeah. Coven- at home to Coventry with a full I'm strength feel- side. Yeah, I'm feeling confident, Steve. Same with you. Yeah, narrow win. Although I think we've been mm. a bit unlucky with with um, getting Coventry first up. I don't like getting promoted sides first up. I, I think there's always a, a dangerous thing there. But I think a narrow win for me, Dave. Guys, it's been a great session as always. We'll uh, come on uh, sometime the weekend after the Coventry game. Yeah, and I think there'll be uh, plenty of time to uh, talk about uh, talk about after that. But, guys, thanks for your time. Thanks for those that are, uh, have been listening. And uh, we'll put this up on uh, OTIB uh, very, very soon. But uh, thanks for your contribution today, guys. Have a good weekend. What's thanks, next? everyone. Have thanks, a good weekend. Yeah. Good yeah, chat. Thanks, Cheers. Bye, bye. All the best, boys. Cheers. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.